Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm so glad you can join us today. We are going to be talking about aging in place. And gosh, don't we all want to learn how to do that gracefully and easily? And yet it's such a hard conversation sometimes to have, and it's even more difficult finding resources. And today we are going to be talking with two experts in that area uh, to ease that pain and burden and really lighten the load for you to be able to do that. But before I introduce our guests, uh, I want to give a shout out to the Mark Artisan Band for allowing us to use their music called Clarion Call, which you can download on any of their platforms. And we are live today. So if you have questions about aging in place or maybe you've been through it and have a comment, um, please feel free to call in at 323 323- Eight seven zero four six zero two. That is three two three eight seven zero four six zero two. We would love to. We would love to hear what you have to say. That's for sure. I also want to uh, give a shout out just to some events I've got coming up. If you're in Minnesota, you might be interested in joining uh, the Dementia Friends of Minnetonka and myself at the uh, City of Minnetonka. Uh, senior services, we're going to be doing a screening and talk back of the film A Timeless Love on Halloween, October 31st, from 1 to 3. And you can get more information um, on all of these by visiting Alzheimer's Speaks and going to our free education and resource section and then uh, go to our public event. So that is the screening October 31st, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Also, on November 11th, I'll be doing a webinar program, and our topic is going to be Living with Dementia, and that is sponsored by Volunteering for Seniors, and that'll be 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you've got questions regarding that, you can go ahead and, and submit those. Also, on December 8th, we'll be doing an in-person event as well, uh, sponsored by Artist Senior Living. And that is in Woodbury, Minnesota. And the title of that one is called Family Gatherings, Events, and Travel, Replacing Difficult Times with Joy. And you can find these along with a couple of support groups that I do um, in our free educational resource section. Again, just go to alzheimerspeaks.com for more information. Or you can find them all on Dementia Map on the events calendar as well, and each of those are free, so you don't have to worry about that either. We're going to hear from the um, Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and we'll be right back with our guests. I love the foot bar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer 
in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Well, we are back, and it's time to introduce our guest today. I'm going to be talking with Tara Ballman, who is currently serves as the Executive Director of the National Aging in Place Council, and Gina Knight, who is the founder and president of Castle Keepers. Now, Tara brings professionals and communities together to champion aging in place. And she also has worked in aging services uh, since 2003. She has authored three books on reverse mortgages and co-hosts a podcast regarding the National Aging in Place Council as well. And then Gina, Gina has over 30 years experience in residential and commercial contracting. She is an expert in senior crisis management and aging in place, and she provides concierge services for uh, seniors and their families. She is also a certified aging in place specialist. Uh, she is in Illinois, and um, she is the uh, chairman of the National Aging in Place in Chicagoland. Both of these women have just published a book called Aging in Place uh, Conversations, What Industry Experts Have to Say. So welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us on. This is great. Now, when I have people on the show, I always like to ask them first if they've been touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. So, uh, Tara, I'm going to throw that to you first. Yes, I um, can address that question. And unfortunately, it has uh, had a big influence in my life with my grandmother um, over many, many years. And my mom is actually an author, and it led her to write a book called The Stranger I Call Grandma. Uh, my my brother is 12 years younger than me. He was very young when my grandmother was diagnosed, and he just didn't understand the changes and the differences between, you know, one day and the next. So the book was a way for our family to explain it to him that we shared with other people. So, yes, I am very familiar with the world of dementia. Well, you know what we were talking offline about uh, you guys being part of Dementia Map. Your mom's book should be on there as well as your new book as well for people to find. But we we can talk about that um, offline a little bit later. But all of these would be wonderful, wonderful resources to have there. Gina, how about you? Have you been personally touched? Um, I have not personally been touched. I have an extended family member that is dealing with it on a very mild level. However, um, a very large percentage of my clients that I work with here in the Chicagoland area, who I become their surrogate daughter, um, they are touched by it. So I am around it pretty much daily. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, like I mentioned in your intro, you guys uh, just got finished uh, publishing this book, Aging uh, in Place Conversations, What the Industry Experts Have to Say. So there are several questions that I thought I'd like to ask you in terms of addressing that. My guess is you probably have some good stories to go along with that. But, Tara, I'm going to first ask you, what the heck does aging in place mean? Because a lot of people might be wondering, what does that mean? Where do I live? Uh, Who am I? All of those types of things. That's a good question, and I think that's kind of a phrase that a lot of people throw around now. It's really kind of a buzz phrase when you're talking about aging, but I think aging in place um, really is just taking control of the decisions on how and where you want to live your life, how you want to age, and then creating a plan for housing and finance and health care and transportation that allows you to stay in that place for as long as possible. I think, you know, we're all aging in place, we're all living in place and surviving in place. So there's no difference on making my life comfortable now when I'm 45 than when I'm 95. And being proactive and planning that and knowing the resources that are out there and available to me through each stage of life is really how you can proactively plan to have a fantastic um, kind of third stage in life as you age in place. And I think Gina probably, I think we all, all of our members have a different way of explaining aging in place. Gina, how how do you explain it? 
Um, no, I agree with what you said um, wholeheartedly, um, but I think one of the biggest things that families need to think about is being proactive. Um, you know, as I, as you mentioned earlier, Lori, you know, we refer to our, our organization here as senior crisis management because so many people are not proactively making a plan, and they need to because um, it's not an if, it's a when. So we're all going to be affected in some way, shape, or form, and at least if we know what our thoughts are and our plans are, doesn't mean that might not deviate, but when you have no plan of what you want to do, um, that's never a positive. There's also a misnomer out there that people feel that aging in place is only in the home. You know, the way that the senior living communities are structured now, you can age in place in a community. Again, it's all about having that plan and having that trusted professional network out there that's going to help support you with your plan. Well, you know, I, I love that. And to me, you know, when I think about it, it's about avoiding displacement and confusion and being able to live comfortably with confidence and purposeful mm-hmm. um, where, you know, none of us need extra stress these days. And when you mentioned crisis, um, that's exactly what pops to mind. Where do we start? How do we handle this? Do we have the conversation? What are our options? Everyone's kind of uneducated about this because they're so afraid to have the conversation. And the adult uh, children are afraid to have that conversation with their parents and vice mm-hmm. versa. And then we learned with COVID how connectivity to life and socialization and communication became even a larger component to add to what your age-in-place plan is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, let's let's talk about something that I think is really a common question and can cause a lot of stress for families. Um, so what happens? Maybe there's a couple living together and a spouse is being released from the hospital. They have an injury or an illness, and now he or she wants to heal comfortably at home, um, but sometimes the family's not sure that they can handle that. I think this is an example that um, you know might be someone's wheelchair bound for a few months and they're going to need therapy and the house is inaccessible. I mean, there's so many layers that you can go into from by getting rid of your throw rugs and stuff to accommodate that. But how, do, how does a family even approach that and know if it's safe for that person to come home? Can they handle it and what needs to be done? And, Gina, I'm going to throw that to you first if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Well, you know, most homes um, or apartments uh, can be adapted in some way, either temporary or permanent, and it really has to do with what the person's condition is, whether it's a short-term or a long-term, and that's kind of the first question we have to answer. Um, As you mentioned earlier, so I'm what's called a certified aging in place specialist. It's a certification done through the National Association of Home Builders, which allows us to go into that home and determine, based on the client's mobility, obviously um, their cognitive impairment, if there is one, and then assessing the home and figuring out, does it make sense to stay at home? Is it safe to stay at home? And there are lots of things to do. Like you said, of course, throw rugs are the first thing that everybody thinks about. My goodness, they're trip hazards for everyone, let alone someone whose mobility is impaired in some way. But there's lots of things to think about. So if somebody, for instance, is coming home from rehab, and let's say they just had a hip replacement, that person's coming home, and how do you get them in the house? Mm -hmm. Right? They're not walking up those stairs. So most homes have either stairs in front of them or even that threshold coming into the actual home. could be just a couple of inches, but somebody who's – you know, just coming from rehab is not going to have that ability to step up. So there's going to be a wheelchair involved. So something that's temporary, you know, we're going to be looking at temporary modifications. So a temporary type of ramp. So something that's metal can be removed easily, temporary on and off. However, if somebody has had maybe a stroke, they might be in a situation where this is a long-term thing. So now we have to look at the home completely different. Now we're doing permanent type structures 
um, to get in and out of the home because that person may not necessarily be getting into their car to go somewhere, but they still have doctor's appointments. They still need to get out in case if there was an emergency. So those things do need to be more permanent structures. And then depending on, you know, where this goes, I mean, one of the very first things that we do with families, believe it or not, we refer to it here at Castle Keeper as tidy up, which basically means downsizing. All of us have that same problem where we have too much stuff in our home. The problem is as you age, if you have stacks of things within your home or you have paths within your home to get around, depending on how much things you have there, those can actually become hazards because people will tend to use them as they maybe have an adjustment in their balance, and then they're going down with that stack. And the main thing about aging in place is we want to make sure that the modifications that we're doing, that we're trying to prevent that fall. You know, falls are the number one thing that cause, you know, either something detrimental or a very long-term um, condition in someone. So it's something that can be very detrimental, and it's the number one injury that causes that death. So we want to make sure that we're trying to, quote-unquote, prevent the fall. Showers, obviously, are the number one place that things are going to take place. For the obvious, you've got water involved, which makes things slippery. But so many homes have a tub involved, and the tub... You know, think about anybody as they're aging, you know, lifting that leg up and over becomes sometimes a loss of balance. So, yes, simple things like grab bars are, are wonderful tools, which, by the way, do never use um, suction cup grab bars. They are not going to hold you. So things need to be permanent um, so that they can hold your weight, if you will, especially when you're in a falling position. Um, but you have to think about whether or not, you know, from a showering standpoint, Removing that tub, you know, there's um, different ways to do that. You can have a walk-in shower area or you can have um, a um, roll-in shower. You know, so if somebody's in a wheelchair and they're going to permanently be in a wheelchair, even a walk-in shower with that two- to four-inch little step is not going to work with a wheelchair. So that's a big part of what the, you know, in-home evaluation is done. So here what we do is a comprehensive you know, review of the home as well as the client to figure out what makes most sense. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Gina. Sarah, anything that you want to add to that as far as, you know, um, just helping people who stay at home and types of modifications that you want to add? Yeah, you know, I love this is kind of where I'm going to talk about my organization a little bit, the National Aging in Place Council. We're a nonprofit. We don't make money off of leads or lead generation. It's all educational based, but it's so great that we have a, a place like this. Like, where do I call for help? You can call us, or of course, your Dementia Maps is also a great resource guide of a background check professionals where I can connect you with Gina and she can connect you with the finances and the transportation and all the things that can come in and really do a full in-home assessment, complete head-to-toe of every aspect that you can think of to keep yourself and safe and, and help you in that home. So there's so many free resources out there, too, that people just aren't aware of that, um, you know, they're out there, so people should take advantage of them. Definitely. And, you know, Gina had mentioned ramps, but one thing, I, you know, I'm going to throw in a couple other things because I have a real estate background, too, and these are just some additional things that people don't think of at all. And there's no way Gina could mention them all because every home and situation is different. But I've had it even where the garage size didn't work. You know, if someone's in a wheelchair and how do they how do they get them in and out of the car? And I'm in Minnesota, so that means I had to pull the car out and bring them on to an icy space and stuff. And we all think about the ramps and stuff. Or is the care partner strong enough to lift the wheelchair, to put it in the trunk or back seat? All of those things are, are really important, you know, to look at as far as, you know, the, the, the bathroom, I think, is probably one of the bigger hazards and, and things. But just putting in uh, safety lights, you know, that automatically come in or maneuvering things even within I the love house. the motion-driven ones because yep. even when, you know, someone get I mean, we're all guilty of this, right? We get up in the middle of the night and we're leaving our bed and we don't turn the lights on because we think that will wake us up. So we all have our eyes, you know, we can't see a darn thing. 
and the motion lights, if you have a soft light that when your feet hit the floor that goes on and gives you a direction of where the bathroom is, it's just one more thing, you know, that assists you. And that's really what everything's about. You know, you mentioned about, you know, um, somebody assisting someone in and out of that car in the garage area. You know, I'm also a big advocate of if the caregiver is not safe, they can't keep the client safe. Mm -hmm. So we also have to think about that because, you know, they can only help somebody so much if they're not in a safe environment. And sometimes that's when it starts with that whole downsizing process or those handheld shower heads, things that can assist the caregiver to assist the person who is in the aging or compromised situation. Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes it, maybe it, w- it was the person who now needs assistance was the healthy one who was doing the laundry going up and down mm-hmm. the steps. And it might right. not be safe for the other person. So um, it's endless, the stuff that these folks can help you think about because most of us take it all for granted and then you all of a sudden you're just stopped, you know, dead in your tracks going, oh, my gosh, how do we miss this? It's because you do it every day and you take it for granted that this isn't going to be an issue because we, we're just so used to it not being one. And so you really, in my opinion, need that, that second set of eyes to help you through this process. Um, and the stairs are the most obvious. Mm-hmm. We're used to doing them, right? But then all yep. of a sudden they're not so easy anymore. Yep, exactly. Or you miss the step and then you're falling down or falling up. It's just mm-hmm. as bad to go falling up versus falling down. Exactly. Now, we, we talked about, you know, highlighting some of these things. What are some of the best actions to be proactive about the future? I mean, you had mentioned people, you know, living in crisis, Gina. Um, should Should people, if they're thinking of staying in their home long term, make adjustments ahead of time? Most definitely. So um, another term that you'll hear as another buzzword, if you will, is called universal design. And a big part of what universal design is is really kind of of a preparation. So, for instance, you know, if we have a client that's, um, you know, 45 to 55 years old, they have to start thinking, oh, it's time to modify their bathroom, right? It needs to be updated, you know, having the preparations behind the walls to be able to receive things like grab bars in the future. You'd be amazed how many families we go into where they're in a crisis and they've got one of those molded showers and, you know, it's like a piece of plastic. Well, in those corners where you're trying to put a grab bar, it won't work because it has nothing to grab onto. It's just as bad as having a suction cup on the wall. So, Part of what universal design allows you to do is be prepared for the future. They have, um, you know how if you were in a wheelchair, you couldn't roll up to a sink in the bathroom because there's typically going to be a cabinet in the way. Same Mm -hmm. thing in your kitchen. If you're remodeling your kitchen, you can now, thinking ahead, you can now have cabinets that are actually removable when need be. Mm -hmm. So it's a simple change. You know, but the most proactive thing that I feel families need to think about is who are they going to reach out to when something takes place? And that's not only, you know, someone like myself who's going to modify your home, but it's also who's that attorney? What do I need to be prepared for? Who's my financial planner? How are these things going to be paid for? So there are so many different things to think about, and that goes back to that whole concept of having a plan and being mm-hmm. proactive and thinking about these things when you're not in that crisis. Exactly. Again, if you're listening and you have a question or a comment, you can call in at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. Um, now, Tara, I'd like to talk to you uh, about people being worried about transportation, getting to the doctor and the store. Again, these are things we take for granted. I mean, I know I go crazy just having my oil changed. You know, I don't I don't like to be without my wheels. <laughs> but this, this can be, you know, a long-term thing or it can be short-term, but it's still something that, you know, we need to have access to medications and groceries and doctor's appointments. And family's not always available uh, they might not even, you know, live in the same city or state or country. And 
and I know I hear from a lot of um, from our elders that they're fearful of doing a ride share. You know, they're not really comfortable mm-hmm. having other people in their homes or getting into a car. And of course, the news these days doesn't help that. So, what are some options yeah. for for transportation? Yes, I am glad you asked me that. That was the section I actually addressed in the book, the Aging in Place Conversations book. And there was an AARP study that came out recently that revealed that 78% of baby boomers see driving as their key to independence, but it's the most overlooked aspect of aging in place and aging in place planning because people just assume I'm always going to be able to drive. But actually, one in five adults over the age of 65, they're not able to drive. And that has serious effects on their abilities to do just general life things. 15% make fewer doctor's appointments. 60% take fewer shopping trips. 65% visit friends and families and religious gatherings less. So it's really an important thing to consider when you're creating your aging in place plan. But the good news is, There are a lot of options out there that are available and more options growing every day. So I think most people are aware of uh, arranged transportation and shuttle buses. You can get those through your local senior centers. A lot of government or county organizations provide these with fare assistance. Sometimes it's low-cost or no-cost rides. A lot of these are generally door-to-door services like grocery stores, senior centers, doctors, things like that. Most of the time, uh, they can accommodate wheelchairs or other mobility devices, and some of them will even offer door-through-door service if you need a little assistance getting in and out of the vehicle or actually walking into your doctor's office. So. The best place to find this, I, I think the best resource, is the Area Agency on uh, Area Agency on Aging. We call it the AAAs, but AAA means different things to different people depending on what <laughs> industry you're in. But um, the Area Agency on Aging has an elder care call center. It's an 800 number. They also have people online to chat. They have a great website. Um, and they are avail- They can connect you with the available transportation in your area. There are also um, the Centers for Independent Living is part of a larger organization called the Administration for Community Living. And they are really designed to help people um, create independent living programs. So they also have... Um, resources for the transportation that's available in your area. And another part of that administration for community living is the Aging and Disability Resource Centers. These are fantastic um, areas for you to check out. They give you unbiased information on counseling regardless of your income or where you're living. It's uh, paid through through Medicare and Medicaid and the Veterans Health Administration. So I would really encourage people to reach out to them and also the Na- National Aging and Disability Transportation Center. And I like them because they don't just provide transportation for older adults, but also the caregivers. Um, so that's another great resource out there. But even I know there are a lot of rideshare companies out there. My my mother-in-law is terrified to use them because it's a smartphone on top of something else, on top of a stranger driving her around. But there are actually some great services out there that are concierge programs specifically targeted to older adults like GoGo Grandparent. And they have a subscription-based plan where it starts about $8 a month, and it does go up from there. But they have total care packages where you can call and speak directly to a live person, and they can help you with pharmacy deliveries and grocery stores and meal deliveries and not just ordering rides, connections to lawn service and and housekeepers and lots of proactive care management um, that can help people out, and as well as jitterbug. A lot of older adults use jitterbug phones. Now you can hit zero, tell your operator where you want to go. They arrange the ride for you, and the ride is actually included on the next phone bill. So there are a lot of really new, innovative things that are popping up to help older adults. And then there's still, you know, the old school 
fix public transportation routes. And I can only speak here in Orange County. I'm in Orange County, California. We are transportation authority. They give free training online and in person in English, Spanish, Korean, Mandarin, multiple languages. And they show you everything from how to safely board a bus, how to exit the bus, how to plan a trip. They'll help you plan your trip. And then after the training, they give you two free one-day passes so you can go test it out yourself before you actually have to use it. So um, there are just so many resources out there. And really all you have to do is just Google it. But, again, I think the easiest way to find your area is to call the Area Agency on Aging. And that elder care locator can help you not just with transportation but with anything related to why you need transportation. Well, that's fantastic. And I'd, I'd just like to, you know, put a plug in for some communities too because Gina had mentioned, you know, it could be an independent home or you might be living in a community and a lot of senior communities will do transportation uh, for medical appointments or to the grocery stores or social activities as well. And so, you know, you have to think big picture in terms of what what's going to meet your needs altogether. Um, it, you know, if if this is a sample of what the book holds, I mean, I say to people, go buy the book. My gosh, um, <laughs> you just gave us a ton of resources, and that's just like one topic. I mean, that's just one thing that you have to be concerned about, not to overwhelm you. But again, it shows there's a lot more resources out there than most of us know about because we haven't needed them. And Right. Uh, but, I always say well, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that is so, so true. Anything else that you wanted to add in on that, Gina? You know, um, I agree with Tara 100%. The um, the aging area is the best resource to start with. Here in the Chicagoland area, we're fortunate. We have a, a nonprofit group called um, Interfaith Community, and they provide free rides for seniors to anywhere they want to go, and it's all done through um, volunteers who are the drivers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they pick somebody up, take them to a doctor's appointment, they take them to the grocery store, they take them to the pharmacy, and um, it's a free ride. And they they survive through, you know, events that they do to raise money so that they can um, provide these rides for free to the seniors in the area. So, again, I understand why people think about or think twice, I guess I would say, about potentially using an Uber driver or nothing against those organizations. But, sadly, you see some bad things on TV and you're afraid to figure out who you should trust. So um, it's wonderful that we happen to have an organization here locally that, you know, provides that specifically for seniors. That's fantastic. You know, can I I pop in and add one more thing I forgot to mention since you brought up volunteers? And I'm like, I can't believe I forgot to mention this because I think it's so amazing. (laughs) There's there's this program. It's called Community Transportation Association of America. It's a nonprofit group, and it's all private individuals volunteering their time. And the volunteers can also earn credit. So I could volunteer to drive people around here in Orange County, and I'm earning credits for somebody else to drive my mom around in Atlanta, Georgia. I think it's amazing. They do door-to-door, do through-door, all sorts of different things. So there's another great resource of all volunteers um, that's free. So. I'll throw that out there, too. Fantastic. And, you know, I think that that's good for people to hear, too, because I think since COVID, more people have, you know, really seen the need for volunteering. And and that's kind of, I think, ticked up in in terms of, you know, purpose and uh, people wanting to step up and, and help, too. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. Now, Tara, one thing that I want to talk about, and this is kind of a dreaded question for not only someone who is having some difficulties um, and needing assistance, but the whole family. And that question is, how the heck do you approach a loved one when it's when you think it's time for them to stop driving? I mean, this is like the biggest <laughs> avoided question, and yet nobody wants to get into a crash or worse. And, um, you know, family sometimes, I mean, break down into fighting and not talking, and um, there can be all kinds of emotions with this. What are some steps you, you feel people can take in terms of having a respectful conversation on this topic? 
Well, I think the most important thing is to start having these type of difficult conversations before it's actually required. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like a crisis situation to throw something into a bigger bigger crisis. So I think just being able to have people comfortable, making it less awkward and less argumentative if you've already discussed the subject is really a great way to start. And driving is one of those, like, no one wants to take the keys away. It's such a independent part of us being independent. As Americans, I think we're very, you know, reliant on vehicles. But there are a lot of ways you can make small adjustments. You know, when you start having early conversations, start making the small adjustments early. If it's something like maybe not driving at night, don't drive on the highway, stay out of traffic during rush hour. I have a friend who's in their 40s who doesn't drive at night anymore because she had LASIK, and now she sees funny rings around lights at night. It's not an aging-related thing. It's a safety-related thing. So I think um, if there are underlying medical issues that can be addressed, you know, maybe cataract surgery to regain safe eyesight or controlling diabetes, to address blood sugar so you don't have sudden dips. Like those things can be addressed, but there are other things that people should also be aware of, just changing and driving behavior. I had a friend who got a call. Her mom was in Canada, and her mom's neighbor called and said, hey, I just saw your mom blow through a red light. You guys need to address something. But by that point, it was kind of a little too late to have a non-argumentative conversation about it. So, um, you know, just being aware of little changes. If you see fresh dents or dings or perhaps a medical diagnosis that you know will kind of eventually lead to something that will take away the independence through driving, find other alternatives to that. And even now, there's a lot of vehicles. If you really do your research, standard safety features aren't like the added-on features anymore, backup cameras, voice-activated controls. There's a lot of safety features that used to be really pricey add-ons that now come standard on a lot of vehicles if you if you do your research. And there are also great programs out there. I know Gina can probably attest to like when you're telling your own parents something they don't listen when a stranger tells your parents something suddenly they're the genius so sometimes it takes somebody <laughs> else to have that conversation right hey hey Tara so, I, I yeah. that's exactly what I face with my families I'll I'll say something and the kids look at me like oh my god she just agreed to do everything I told her the same things and she won't listen I said well you know right? I guess you I've know I've been telling them for two years <laughs> It happens all the time. Right. So sometimes it takes calling, like AARP has a safe driver program where they can come in and help evaluate and give a refresher course. Sometimes they just need a refresher course. We have a, a member in our San Francisco chapter who does driving assessments, and it's a car. Like when you're when you're learning how to drive with a steering wheel and pedals on both sides, and she'll go out with the with the older adults and give them driving tests that way. So there's a lot of options out there, and then. When all else fails, I don't recommend this to everyone, but sometimes you need to anonymously report them to the DMV. And a lot of people believe that only a doctor can do that and file that paperwork. But let's say I did see my neighbor running through a stop sign not once, twice, repeatedly. I can file the paperwork with the DMV anonymously, and that senior will have to come in and do a driving test. And then the DMV will have to make that determination so you or your family member or the caregiver isn't the bad guy. But last yeah. case, I would say DMV. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough one. I'm going to throw in a couple of things that um, people with dementia uh, have started to do because when they get diagnosed, a lot of times they know this might be coming into their future where they're not going to be able to drive. So many of them yeah. have um, had the conversation with their their spouse and their kids and family and friends, and, and they talk openly about, you know, when this happens, you know, take my license away. You know, I might not mm. remember this. And so some of them are even writing letters so that they can be shown that. So if they get angry, um, some of them are even doing videos saying you oh, know, wow. when, when it is not comfortable for me to drive, and, and this has been one of the easiest ways for them to release it, when when it's not safe for me to drive my precious cargo of my grandchildren, 
then it's time for me to quit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that really puts, puts things at, you know, at home. Um, but again, people also have to remember that we had one gentleman who was uh, part of our, our memory cafe and he, he gave up driving uh, for six years, didn't think twice about it. And as his disease progressed, all of a sudden one morning he got up and he grabbed the keys and he went and drove. And so oh, just because someone's agreed to it doesn't mean that you don't have to take precautions with the keys right. and things like that, especially, you know, when you're dealing with somebody with dementia, they can get those clarity of moments. And um, this gentleman, actually, he was gone for quite a while. He ran out of gas. Construction workers filled him back up. He got caught going down oh. the wrong way on a freeway. The police turned him oh around and sent him home. I mean, it was it was like multiple things went wrong. And, you know, after six years of no problem, all of a sudden it was. So, you know, driving is just one of those um, scary, scary situations that can arise uh, with people. So I, I just thought I'd throw those couple of things in. Anything else you wanted to add, Gina? No, I, I think the hardest part, like you said, um, is having the conversation, especially when something has happened, accident or continuous accidents. But I love the idea of a written letter or a video that you're giving them permission simply because it can be a very angry conversation that you might start avoiding just because you know what's ultimately going to happen, and then that could be even worse. Yep, yep. Yeah, that that's, that's for sure. Well, let's let's talk about you know how should an individual or family get started at creating an an aging in place plan. Gina, where do they go first? Um, I think one of the first places you go is you start with that certified aging in place specialist. So if you go to the National Association of Home Builders um, on their site, it'll show you local certified people who can do that in-home evaluation for you. I think that's a really good first step. And, you know, honestly, it should be when you're, you know, 50 or 60, not when you're 80. But I understand people don't necessarily want to think about the inevitable. But in a perfect world, if you will, it's great to know, have somebody come in, you know, who actually can evaluate your home because maybe you're going to think about moving, You know, maybe that home that has, you know, a quad level and has four sets of stairs is not the best place for an aging person to be, obviously, because the stairs are, you know, very detrimental um, as your mobility changes. So, you know, if you have that plan in advance, maybe the, the, the family home, if you will, that you started out with building your family, maybe you should think about downsizing at that point moving to a ranch or moving to a, you know, a single-story type situation, whether it be a a condo or apartment. Um, But it's best to start there. I also think a really great place to start is start going to some of these educational programs. I mean, here at, you know, the National Association, we do, you know, um, a, a ton of education, which is wonderful. And I always tell people, When you go to these events and you hear somebody speak about something that resonates with you, whether it's the subject or you like or feel you trust the person, take that information and put it in a folder. Because should an emergency arise, you don't want to start Googling at that point. Google is not your friend when you're in a crisis. You should know who who can and who should I be reaching out to. So I think those two things are really great tools. Oh, I I definitely, definitely agree. Uh, Tara, you know, what do you recommend for people in terms of finding resources? And then we're going to go to a caller. Yes. Well, I say it's never too late to take control regardless of your age. Take control of how you want um, to live the rest of your life. So I obviously I'm going to choose uh, the Dementia Maps resources and the National Aging in Place Guide on ageinplace.org. We have um, a directory of all of our service providers. They are background checked. Uh, again, the Area Agency on Aging, those are fantastic. That's a fantastic resource. They are very 
tied into your local community, I think it's eldercare.acl.gov is their website. Um, but, uh, of course, that and agentplace.org is a, is a great place to start. <laughs> great. I think we've given a lot of really good information uh, here on the show, and I, I appreciate Gail and, and Tara and the work that they're doing as a person who worked in real estate for 25 years and has worked with elderly for over 40, you know, these are pressing issues for so many families and so many individuals. And I think all of us have probably seen multiple times where people have um, have really fallen into crisis by waiting way, way too long on this. And Gail, I'm going to throw that to you. Have you seen that? Because I know you you have a a big arm in, in real estate as well. But to me, that was very, very common. And, you know, like you said earlier, when people are in crisis, it's very, very difficult um, to get everybody calmed down to even see forward in terms of what the options are, because they're so scared. Exactly. They're scared. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what the options are. Um, you know, it, it, and there's so many um, people out there in the world misleading people. Um, oh, my neighbor told me. Okay, but your neighbor's not in this situation. So um, it, it's so much, it's such a better option when you're actually talking to somebody who has a background in the whole aging journey you know, versus talking to the neighbor or talking to someone else. And you'd be amazed, you know, libraries and senior centers are great resources to help you through the emergencies because they're usually connected to, you know, like NAIPC and other organizations that are out there to help seniors. You know, one of the beauties of our organization is that we have to all go through background checks individually to even be a part of the organization. And as you know, you know, sadly, many seniors are preyed on. And the beauty of our organization is we have a whole level of security to make sure that the right people are here to, you know, in each location throughout the United States, here to help our seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Tara, how about you? Anything you want to well, answer? I was going to say that's a really good segue into what we have going on next week, which is Aging in Place Week 2022. Uh, the second week of October every year is Aging in Place Week, where um, many different organizations and industries and businesses highlight topics and give presentations that are related to aging in place. So we have about 20 that are going on next week, everything from connecting through music and using music therapy and caregiving to fall prevention. Gina's doing a presentation on the top home modifications that make sense. We're talking about navigating bereavement. Um, transportation, of course, uh, transportation and driving assessments is my um, presentation, and then even help with hospital discharges and medical enrollment. So um, all of those presentations are free. Um, you can sign up for those at ageinplace.org, and um, I hope to see some of the listeners there. Fantastic. I'm I'm glad that came up naturally. I was going to ask that question, but that did roll in perfectly. Um, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I again, I, I would really encourage people to, you know, go to Amazon and pick up your book, Aging in Place, Conversations, What the Industry Experts Have to Say. You've heard from two of them today, and oh my gosh, we've gotten such great advice and resources and again, we, we've barely touched on a, a lot of what you're going to be dealing with when you're really looking at this topic of, of being able to age in place and, and doing it well. I want to make sure that we get your um, your contact information out to people. So if anybody wants to contact the National Aging in Place Council, you can go to their website, which is ageinplace.org that's ageinplace.org and you can always email them at naipc at ageinplace.org you can also go to uh, Tara's uh, personal website which is 
Tara, T-A-R-A, and her last name, Ballman, B-A-L-L-M-A-N.com. And then for Gina Knight, the founder of Castle Keepers, you can go to her website at Castle, and that is K-A-S-T-L-E, Keeper, LLC.com. And then again, don't forget about their book on Amazon, Aging in Place Conversations, What the Industry Experts Have to Say. We've got a couple minutes left. Anything you want to add? No, I don't have anything really to add. I think, you know, the biggest thing I would say to add is is the book is just filled with so much information. And like I said, when you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what's coming. So the beauty of the book is it gives so many examples of things to consider and things to be prepared for. Wonderful. And Tara, anything else you would like to add? I just want to reiterate that it's never too late to take control of your life, your future, your decisions, your options. So um, start planning now regardless of your age. And, and I'll throw in I'll throw in one last thing that that I did with my folks. Um, I mean, even little things in terms of aging in place and making sure all your legalities are in order. You know, doing wills and healthcare declarations are also a wise thing to do. And I know when my folks were going through all of this, selling their home and moving to the lake, and you know, kind of getting to this next phase, it was it was fun, but it was spooky. And there was a lot of things they really didn't want to address. So my husband and I did them with them because, you know, really, and I I try to stress this as often as I can, this isn't about end of life. This is about smart living. And the sooner we take control and the sooner we educate ourselves as to options, um, the easier it's going to be on everybody and the better life you're going to be able to live. So, uh, don't look at this as an end of life. This is a keep on living your life to the best of your ability uh, type decisions. And uh, to me, it's just so, so vastly important. So, ladies, I thank you so much for all the great information that you shared with us today. Uh, really, really helpful. Sarah, if people want to participate in Aging in Place Week that you've got going on, do they just go to your website to be able to get information on how to participate in those in those programs? Yes. If you go to ageinplace.org, it should take you mm-hmm. to a calendar listing of all the events. And if they have any problems navigating the site, they can just hit the Contact Us button, and that emails me directly. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, ladies. Have a blessed week, everybody. We will talk to you again on Thursday. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great quick motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.